This Shabbos, as we know, it's Pashas Pinchas. It's three weeks, the beginning of the three weeks. And Tammuz, the month of Tammuz still. Pinchas is a very famous story, of course. We all know the story of what Pinchas did, why he did it. We don't know. Whoops. Let us go into the Indian of Pinchas, what Pinchas is all about. In the course of the Parsha, we come up with another few things, another few subject matters. The Indian of Nachala, Yerusha, inheritance, where there's a will, there's a relative. We also have the Karbonis, the sacrifices of Yom Tevim that are brought on Yom Tev. Um, let us start with the work of Pinchas. Arna Koyen did a tremendous task in Kal Yisrael. His task for, for the Jewish nation, keeping peace between friends, between families, keeping love, happiness, joy. Aaron Akein. And by Aaron's passing, we know that the entire Jewish nation mourned. It was a terrible thing. Aaron Akein went about this in his way. very successfully but the reason that his, his real truth of his success was because of his earnestness because he meant it and you know what when he came to a person and he told him I overheard that there's a little strife going between you and your friend there's a little guys had a little fallout I I says how do you know how would that come to you where would that come to your knowledge he said very simple he said 
because I heard the person remorsefully saying and crying how sad he is that you're in a fight and how he wants to make peace with you wow the person heard these words from Arna Cain and he realized he meant it and he meant it because he's coming and he's telling him he's confronting him and saying how this person wants to make peace with me and this immediately opened the heart of the Jew opened his mind, opened his eyes and he really wanted to make peace in that case then I want to make peace and then Aaron would run to the other side and would do the same thing would say I hear about the strife I hear about this argument I hear about this this I don't want to call it a fight he said how do you know about it and he tells him the same thing because I heard how remorseful this man is and how sad he is and how much he wants to make friends you know my grandmother Shalom would always say Himmel Veritam Gishvarin as came suddenly came for heaven and earth swore there'll be no secrets that ever get lost that case Aaron was taking a good chance here let us say one day these re-bonded friends would be sitting and talking over a coke over whatever And they'd be talking, and he'd say, Hey, Ruvain, do you remember that terrible fight that we had? How awful that was? He'd say, Yeah. I'm so happy that you were upset and you wanted to make peace. Because I really didn't want to make peace with you. And Shimon says to Ruvain, Excuse me? I didn't want to make peace with you. And at that point, obviously they would discover that Aaron Akrein was pulling their legs. How would that look down the line? But the truth is that Aaron has an answer for that. And the answer would be a simple one. I knew deep down you did not want this fight. I knew deep down you wanted to make peace. And I'll prove it to you because when push came to shove and I said those words to you, I woke up within you this yearning. I woke up from within you this feeling and therefore, you went and made peace. So deep down inside, you wanted this. 
whether you knew it or not. A separate issue. So Aaron Akain was appealing to the deep down, deep down inside of the man, in the man's heart, and appealing to that part of the heart that proved and showed what the true Jewish neshama is all about. And therefore there was no chance of getting caught up in problems here. And Art, of course, had a tremendous reward, being King Godel, son, etc., and all that went on in his family. More so, and greater so, is the work of Pinchas, his grandson. Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron Hakoyin. Pinchas, the son of Elazar, the son of Aaron Hakoyin. Why does the Torah go through such great length to tell us his whole lineage? To tell us he was the son of Elazar? Okay. Pinchas ben Elazar. Fine, that's enough for me. Why say ben Arena Koyim? And the Ben Chamesh the Mikra asks that question. The child asks that question. I'm learning Chumash here, and I have this question. And the Rashi says to the boy, Too big? Rashi says to that little boy, People are not nice. like the days. People are not always done the kafskus. People look and dig to find a fault in another person. The Mishnah tells us the exact opposite. Have it done kaladam the kafskus. Always look for the merit in a person. But yet people, because that is the way to do things, people unfortunately have the Yitzhara twist their minds. Turns them over. And causes them to do and act the exact opposite of how they're supposed to. And whereas they're supposed to give schus to another person, not only don't they give schus, they look for a fault in another person. So what happens here? What happens here is the Taylor, thank you, the Taylor says Pinchas ben Elazar. Elazar was an illustrious man. Elazar was a respected man. Elazar was married to the daughter of Yisrael. The daughter of Yisrael. Yisrael ultimately converts. Yisrael ultimately does the right thing.
he does tshuva, becomes a Jew. But Yisrael, before that, used to be the kind of all different services, all different avedizaras, all different idol worships. And he used to see to it that the sacrifices were nice and juicy. And he used to stuff the animals, which is one of the reasons he got the name Paitifera, Paitifera, not Paitifera, Puti. So Yisra, you'd stuff the animals f- to make them fatter, so the sacrifice for the Avedizara would be better. And this ultimately really was Saba Lachayim. It caused pain to the animals to be fed like this, force fed. So Yisra was, in, to an extent, in order to do that, he was an Achzar. He was a wicked man. So what did people say? Pinchas ben Elazar. Pinchas is the son of Elazar. He's the grandson of Yisrael. His grandfather was an Achzar. His grandfather did terrible, terrible action to the animals. Mistreated the animals. So, of course, he's going out. And he's going to kill a person. He has no problem killing people. Because he gets it from his grandfather. Therefore, says the Tata. Therefore, says the Tata. Pinchas ben Eloza ben Aharon He was the grandson of Aharon That man that was loving that loved peace, pursued peace, and saw to it that people had peace between themselves. That was the grandfather he came from. And that was the Midah in which he did this. It was not that of Achzarius, it was that of love of God. Says the Teda, the reward that Pinchas reaps Heshiv es Chamosi And Pinchas gets a tremendous reward. What is the reward that he killed Zimri, the Midianis? HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Heshiv Tzchamosim Al-Bnei Yisrael, because he retracted my anger from the Jewish nation, whom I was going to destroy because of this. Hini Neisen Lai Es Berisi Shalom. I give him my bris, my pact of peace, and bris kuhunas elam. The bris of perpetual generations of Kohanim. In his generation, his future generations. Chazal tell us another point. Pinchas hu Elio. 
Pinchas is Eliyahu. What Pinchas did brings us to the mission of Eliyahu Anavi. What is the mission of Eliyahu Anavi? The mission of Eliyahu Anavi is to be Mevaser and to let us know about the coming of Mashiach. question becomes was he Pinchas? was he Leo? I don't recall the Gematria as how the Gematria works of Pinchas coming to Leo. obviously it's not a straight Gematria because they're way off in numbers there's a message that tells us that when Pinchas kills Zimri and Kazvi The Shevet Shimon wanted to kill him. It's their their Nasi. It was their head of state, head of, head of their, their tribe. And he goes and kills him in public. They wanted him dead. So according to Medrash, Parach and his Neshama left him. And it was replaced with that of Elio. And he went on to live as Eliyahu Anavi. It's a medrash. And it could work for us. But this reward that Pinchas is given comes after a tremendous, tremendous sacrifice and a tremendous belittling himself. The lowest of low that the Jews had now stooped down to was living with marrying the women from Mayav. And this is a, not a no-no. This is something that literally God destroys the world for. Living with a non-Jewish woman. So much so that thereafter a plague breaks out and 24,000 Jews die. Or more. Only in the merit of, of Pinchas Pinchas Lechilisias Bnei God says, I didn't destroy the Jewish nation. However, because he brought himself down so low, <laughs> The Jews were at such a low state. Because of this, he was elevated to such a high state of becoming a Kayan. And at that point, the Jews are counted once again. We read always Pasha's Pinchas in the beginning of the three weeks. As we mentioned before, this week was Shavas Vatamuz, the beginning of the three weeks. The many different halakhas involved in the three weeks. Um, music, we don't listen to music. We don't cut our hair. And then, of course, the different customs and the different parts of our Eda. If it's a, a Sephardic minhag, this minhag, that minhag, I'm not even going to go into that today. 
But it's the beginning of the three weeks. And regardless how you keep your customs, the three weeks are not a happy time. Three weeks are not a happy time. And therefore, we need to understand what is the connection of the three weeks and Pinchas. The Aliyah, the great elevation that Pinchas had, we just said, we just explained, was through the terrible Yerida that he had to go down, he had to lower himself. In these sad days of the three weeks, we also are at a low point. These are days of sadness, of mourning, for the trouble that the, Jew, the troubles the Jews had been through, the destruction of the temple, which has brought about ultimately this tremendously long exile. Bottom line, because we are suffering so, the reward of the Geula Mitzvah Vashtema, which will be tonight, is so much greater. Not the Chas Shalom quote from a Shalom Aleichem from an Apicatus of a show, movie, whatever it was, Fiddle on the Roof, where he says, I know we're the chosen people, could you choose somebody else for once? The question becomes here. You have something beautiful in store for us. You have in store for us the Geula Hamitus Vashlema. You have in store for us Mashiach's coming. You have in store for us the redemption going out of this exile. It's in the works, it's in the books, it's in the air. It's palatable. Why put us through the goals? You want it and we want it. Why make us suffer? Go to the point. The father tells the son, buy you a new suit. I'm going to buy you a new suit. But you have to first make sure that you do all your homeworks, you have to make sure you do this, you make sure you do that, make sure this, and gives him a list of all that he has to do before he can get his new suit. In the end, he's going to give him the new suit. Why? Put the boy through all the trouble. Give him a suit. You bought the suit already. He bought it already. Give it to him. Zaktun's and the Tzemach actually says you could have done this with all 
without fixing anything. The saying is that the golos is a purification, is an elevation, is something that's taking us to a new level, that's bringing us higher. Beautiful. Avishta, really. You need the physical human being to do all that. You're very capable, Rebbe Nishan. There's no reason you can't, in one swoop, take us out of Golos and bring us to the level that we're supposed to be at. Why put us through all this stuff? Samuel Sadiq asked the same question. But the explanation is a simple one. The only way that the ultimate good comes about, the ultimate light shines properly, is when it's first planted in the mud and in the darkness. Darkness that becomes light is lighter than light that is light. If you're in a dark room and suddenly you turn on a big light, that burst of light is so much stronger than if you're standing in a light room to begin with. It's a fact. Okay, so you'll say that the reason that it affects you so badly is because your eyes are adjusting to the darkness and the pupils are opening more. And it's all beautiful stories. The bottom line is that the burst of light is much, much lighter than the light shining the whole time. I said once, I had to go to New Jersey once to Kasher Kitchen. Long story. And the hall this kitchen is in is a magnificent hall. But um, a Jew wanted to use this caterer and obviously he was not a Jewish caterer, he was not kosher. So someone had to go down there. So I ended up getting volunteered to do it. So I came into the hall and every single light was burning. Middle of the day. Every chandelier, every top hi-hat, every light was lit. So later I came out talking to the owner. He came down to see what the rabbi is doing to his kitchen. He knew I was going to do some burning. And I asked him, what's your electric bill like, man? You have hundreds of bulbs burning here all day long. So he said, it's high. I have a plan or a program, whatever. He then already had LED lights, or whatever, special lights, not necessarily LED, whatever it was that was less less expensive to burn. I said, why are they on? So he says, very interesting science. Someone comes to see the hole. They come into the room, and I have to turn the lights on. The time when they come into the room that's not so lit, excuse me, until the lights fill the room, is a, a time where the person gets an impression of the room. Mm-hmm. And it's not so attractive. Later, when it's all lit up, you walked into this room and you said, Wow! 
But you don't see that wow when you turn the light switch on. It takes a few minutes till that wow settles in over here. So it's worth it for me, he says, to leave these lights burning. So when someone comes in to see the whole, they see the whole. They see the beauty, they see the greatness. So, yes, that is one take on the light. But the light itself was not as strong as if he would put a floodlight into the room on a, one sh- on a cer- certain burst. And this is how the darkness of Golis shines out the light of Geula. By taking the bad, bringing it out of the bad, bringing it into the good, bringing it into the light, is how it shines that much stronger. When something's good, someone does a mitzvah, does a nice mitzvah, it's a very good thing. When someone does, unfortunately, Avedis, it's a very bad thing. The mitzvah makes a beautiful light and the Aveda makes darkness. When someone does tshuva for their Aveda, they take that dark Aveda, they don't throw it away, it doesn't get deleted, it gets elevated. It gets elevated to, an, if the tshuva is done properly, the Aveda itself gets elevated to a level higher than the mitzvah that he did before. Because the tshuva takes this Aveda, takes this concept, and turns it around, improves it, embellishes it, polishes it, and therefore brings it to that much higher level. And that is the concept of the darkness coming out of the light. So this is why, ultimately, we have the concept of Yerida Tzedek Aliyah. The Yerida, the going down, the lowliness before the going, the rising up. The light, the darkness before the light. And that represents, of course, the exile, the destruction HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants the Am Yisrael to really work on polishing their light. In order to do that, first we have to go through this hard time. I think we've been through enough of the hard time. It's time for the light. So when the Jews finally get fed up and start crying out Ad Mosai, and they say, we need enough, we need to get back we want to attach ourselves to God. They turn over and they turn over these days, they turn over this darkness and they cause it all to become light. And they prepare themselves for the world which is Kulei Shabbos, which is Kulei Taiv, which is Kulei Geula. And we see the Geula Mitzvah Shleimus. And at that point, even the good that was unfortunately hidden and buried in the bad, in the darkness of the exile, prevails, comes out, and we get to see and we get to live there. Pinchas went to war. Pinchas was told 
that Zimri ben Salu, the Nasir of Shevet Shimon, caused a horrific Chil Hashem. What was Chil Hashem? He lived with the Isha Midyanis and had a child. That was the main problem here. But he did it openly. And not only that, he came out and literally had relationship in front of everyone. If you keep me score at home, it's a Gemara Sanhedrin, Pei Beis Amid Beis, 82, side 2. And the Gemara tells us, Shisha Nisim Nasulay. Six miracles happened to him. And Chazal tells us even that there was twelve. Let us look at the Gemara. Nishin Vahilech al Makli is walking, is leaning on his walking stick. Once he arrived to the tribe of Shimon, he said, Omar, where do we find that the tribe of Levi is greater than that of Shimon? Omru, they said to him, so what did he mean by that? Said if all Rahman al Sun, the entire Shavit Shimon, is going to submit to the temptation of the women of Mayov. If Levi is not as great as them, maybe I God forbid it could fall into the same problem. So the people of Shimon said, Amrulay, Henikulay, allow him. Let him come in to be be with us. Afulas is let him attend his needs. He also wants to be with a, Mo- a Moabite woman. Let him also come to be with a Moabite woman. Nichnis, he went in. Hetiru prushnis adavar. And they allowed him to continue with them and make Pinchas as if he's one of them. Amar Rabbi Yechanan says, the Yamar Rabbi Yechanan says, because the fact is, it's, an, it's a strange story here. Pinchas goes and spears the Reish Shevet of Shevet Shimon. How did he get there? What was he doing there? So this is the Yamar tells us the story. He came over there and he hinted as if he wants to join the party. And they told him, why not? The more the merrier. Amr says, Six miracles happened to Pinchas at this time. Echad, one of them, Zimri, Zimri, at the time, as we said before, was together with Kazbi. And he didn't separate from her. The Echad, another thing, Shahila the Daber Vilay Dabr. That because had he done so, then Pinchas would not have been allowed to kill the kill him, of course. The other thing was 
the Zimri should have spoken and should have told his entire tribe, come help me. Save me. Pinchas is coming to haunt me, to haunt me. And he didn't say anything. That's the second miracle. The Echad, she came with the Chrusei, shall ish b'nekrevusa, shall isha. His spear went through Eisemachim. It went through the place exactly where they were together. Through his and hers. Showing everybody how severe the Avera was and how it deserved to be punished and how they deserved to die for it. That he didn't get demeaned. He didn't allow them to put him down and to say who he was, that he was, the, as he said before, in the beginning of the year, he was the son of, Yis- the grandson of Yisrael, of the Puti, the one who was called Puti, because Putiel used to stuff the animals. He used to fatten the animals for idol worship. And another miracle happened, an angel came along, and lifted up, the doorpost. Oh. That makes more sense. Okay. Of that door, of that room, so Pinchas can go in, and he lifted them up on the spear. Okay. He carried them out on that spear. Yeah. I'm able to do that. And then. One more miracle happened. And the Malach came along and caused destruction against the people. And because they were distracted from this and they were all going crazy from what happened, they didn't kill Pinchas. So those are the six miracles that happened to him. Pinchas came and he slammed them on the ground before the Avishta, before God. And he said before him, Master of the universe, Because of these people, 24,000 Jews died. Shinemat says in the Pazim, 24,000. This is what it says in the Pazim, Pinchas came, stood up, and prayed. What was the prayer? The prayer was that this should cease, the death should cease cease. Amr Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Lazar says Ve'yispalo le'neman ele ve'yifalo doesn't say Ve'yispalo he prayed but it says Ve'yifalo which is he caused an uproar here Melamed teaches us Kve'yachol she'asaplilas im kenei he literally, he looked for judgment here with his Creator. Bikshu Malachi Asharis the Dachvei. The Malachim asked to push him away because he spoke harshly to God. He said, "What are you doing here? Stop killing the people." 
Omalena Kodesh Baruch Hu says to the Malachim, Henichol Eliv Malon, Kanoi Ben Kanoi Hu, Meshiv Chemo Ben Meshiv Chemo Hu. He is a, a zealot, the son of a zealot, because Levi was the one that took revenge against for what happened to Dina. And he's also somebody that alleviates, he's an alleviator of wrath, and the son of an alleviator of wrath. Because we said before, he was the son of Yaakov, Aaron, and Aaron also, by the time of Kerach, saw to it that they should stop. Now the Gemara goes on to tell us what happens here with the Petifat, with everything else. We're not going to go further into the What I wanted to discuss really was the six miracles that happened. And therefore the Gemara says that Pinchas saw, excuse me, if you're learning, if you're keeping score at home, the Gemara Brachis, on the bottom of the second Ombud, on Daf Nunvav, 56, side 2, Nunvav Ombud Beis on the bottom, Gemara says a beautiful thing, Haraya Pinchas Bachalim, Pele Nasalei. If you see Pinchas in a dream, a wonder happens to you. Rashi explains, Pele Nasalei, Kemesha Nasalei Pinchas. The same miracles, same wonders that happened to Pinchas will happen to you as well. Okay? you got to understand what's going on over here. I know how Pinchas works. He wears a sign. It says Pinchas. I am Pinchas. <laughs> he wears a little pad. Hello, my name is... Wait a minute. Gives you Shalnech, and automatically comes up on the screen who he is. There's the rolls over here. Beautiful Gemara. Why does the Gemara tell us Pele Nasale? Wonders happen to him, and not say Nes Nasale? Miracles happen to him. What happened to Pinchas was not wonders, it was miracles. We said six miracles we just enumerated happened to Pinchas. Let's understand the difference between a ness and a pella. A miracle and a wonder. How they come about higher than nature. They both are above nature. A miracle and a wonder is something that's above nature. The idea of a miracle, it's an alteration of nature. Nature dictates that this is how things have to be. When it gets altered, this is a miracle. It gets altered. It's no longer the nature. The water is not flowing downhill. Water flowing uphill is against the nature of the water. Fire is not rising. Fire is going down. That is not the nature of the fire. And therefore, this is a miracle. By showing that the alter that the nature is being altered, we're obviously seeing there's something great happening here. The greatness of a wonder is something that stands greater than nature. And nature doesn't even come into play here. The elephant going through the head of a needle, the eye of the needle. 
Gemara tells us about also in Brachas. Sorry, if you keep me scoring home, I can't remember where it is. How the elephant, the person can see in, a, in his dream an elephant going through the eye of the, the, the eye of the needle. What? And the Gemara explains what it's all about. That's a pella. Your mind's eye cannot grasp that. Although, when I was five years old, I was in the dentist's office, and I was reading the highlights. Highlights for kids. And there was a riddle, how do you capture an elephant? And it said, you need three things. Binoculars, a tweezers, and a matchbox. You go to the jungle, and you open the matchbox to get ready. You hold the tweezers in your hand, and you take your binoculars, and you turn them around the other way. And you face it at the elephant. The elephant becomes very small. You grab him with the tweezers, and you put him in the matchbox. Amazing. What's more amazing is, I read it when I was about four, five, six years old, four or five maybe even, and I, first of all, I understood English already by then. And even more so, here I am. I still remember the stupid joke. Anyway, seeing such a thing happen is not connected to nature. This is called a pella. This is called a wonder. The world has what they call seven wonders. Seven wonders of places in the world that things are, are so magnificent, they call them wonders of the world. So each thing now needs to come back into play in general, in nature and all. This is Kapala. A person that's Mesidus Nefesh. The reason HaKadosh Baruch Hu was so happy with Pinchas in a way of a wonder because the way that Pinchas approached his thing here, the whole mission was not the norm. It was an Aveda of Pele. And therefore the Almighty keeps him keeping score at home the Gemara Saita one attribute faces the other and since he acted this way God acts with him this way the Ness and the Pele in the service of Hashem are what Mesiris Nefesh is all about and there's two ways of doing it a Ness that the person does his regular way of doing things, if he needs to, he goes to Mesiris Nefesh. A Pele is the person isn't even on the norm. He goes all out from the get-go, and he's throwing himself into the fire to do this. He totally abandons any caution. And therefore, the Sidus Nefesh is that much greater.
This was the level of Pinchas. Fact of the matter is, one of the strongest messages that need to be relayed to today's generation is there's a concept called Das Teira. Many, many people today, not, I'm not going to say the youth, many people today lack their bitochen, their emuna. They lack faith. They don't put faith or belief in Das Teira, in the opinion, the Teira opinion. But that Teira opinion is a way, not a way of life. The Teira opinion is something that gives us a way to overcome any obstacle there is. And therefore, it is not pertinent, not important, not relevant. It is the only way the person can get through a daily life and survive it is if they go through Das Teda. You go and find out what does Das Teda tell me, how I have to act and behave in this way. There is a concept called Halacha Ve'en Meirin King. The Halacha is this way, but we don't really act that way. The Halacha of the punishment that Zimri deserved was death. Vain Maiden King, Bezdin had no right to do it though. Bezdin would not be able to sentence him to death. The person that's Mesenefesh is a person that lives all his life with Das Teda. Doesn't do Drichas Regal, doesn't do a step forward, backwards, or sideways without asking first what is the Teda opinion? How does Terah want me to act and behave? This person, instead of going to ask Terah, jumps, takes initiative, and flies, so we say, off the handle even. Doing what he feels has to happen. This is the lesson that we have from Pinchas. We need to be Jews of Messias Nefesh, Etzimus. We need to see to it that we fortify Judaism. We fortify Teda with Messias Nefesh. We don't take into consideration hardships, difficulties, pain, and anything. We give ourselves over fully to Ratzon Hashem. And then, we merit, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees to it, that we succeed, in a way of Pele, in a wonder, that brings higher than anything can happen. There's a famous story, with this I'll conclude, of Rav Hillel Parache. Rav Hillel Parache, was a boy of about 13 or 15 years old. At 13, actually, he mastered Shas and Poskim. He knew the entire Talmud and Halacha at 13 years old. At 15 already, he mastered Kabbalah as well. 
It was at 15 years old that Hillel Parach was introduced to a little book written by Shinzalman of the Adi, the Al-Tarebbe, called Sefer Atanya. Once he started to read Sefer Atanya, he realized he's got nothing on him. He has nothing on the Al-Tarebbe. There's no way that he can even exist or coexist with the greatness of the Al-Tarebbe. And therefore he ran and became a chosib of Al-Tarebbe's and lived the way of the dictator of the Al-Tarebbe's Tanya. He merited to live, to see and to do for the Al-Tarebbe, for his successor, the Mitle Rebbe, and for his successor, Tzamat Sedeq. Sixty plus years he did missions for the Rebbeim. And he was Zeichet to do for three different Rebbes. Tzavot Tzedek sent him on a mission. It was the winter. A Russian winter. Do I need to describe to you a Russian winter? It's not a Brooklyn winter. We saw from snowflakes this year, I think. I think some, once or twice maybe, a little bit of snowflakes. We had a snowstorm. We had one little snowstorm. How long did it cripple the city? For a day? No, a week. A week? No. Really? Schools were open two days later. Yeah, two days later. Two days? No. That was our winter. Okay, excuse me. How many days did you really feel you needed a heavy coat with a heavy hat with a scarf? <laughs> it, it ain't what it was. Anyway, that was winter. And now comes summer... And we had today. We, we actually hit 90 yesterday and today. Pretty good. Tomorrow we're reaching 95. Tomorrow we're doing it too? Good. But tomorrow is the third day, so we must have thunderstorms probably. And it started raining already. Okay. The Russian winter was not like that. The Russian winter, every step you took, you knew you were in the winter. And here, Hill Parachu was traveling by foot on a mission without, of the Tzamaq Tzedek. And he's going, and he's not able to reach his destination. The storm was so bad, evening time came, and he had to de- detour off to an inn. So he made a detour to an inn, it was cold, it was bitter. And he told the innkeeper, the innkeeper saw it was Hill Paracha, he was son of Spol. And he tells the innkeeper, the innkeeper trying to give him food, clothing, bed, everything. He says, no. What I need is a minion for my rib. The innkeeper started to stutter and he says, Listen, Abid, you talk a little parach and everything else, but, 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 <laughs> you see, did you come in from outside? I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty bad out there. I wouldn't send out my dog. And it's only you and me here. The little said, You and me are only two. 
We need eight more. You know, he says, tell every Yid, I will give them a ruble. A ruble. At that time, person who earned in a week a uh, tenth of a ruble. I will give them a ruble, they come from my ruble. No. The innkeeper goes out, puts his coat on, wraps himself up, head down first, and he's off to his business. He gets one guy, second guy. No, there were nine. Him and Abhil made nine. They had nine people. <laughs> no matter what religion you belong to, nine people don't make a million. Abhil said, uh, very nice, did a good job. We need number 10. We may finally number 10. Finally, one of the guys picks his head up and says, listen, Abid, I appreciate your rubble. I'm tired. I got to get to bed. The only way you're going to find a 10th guy is Vitali. Vitali don't live nowhere near here. But Vitali was shmad. He converted. He was Jewish and everything, and he threw everything away. He married a shiksa. He's the only Jew within the radius of anything here. It was a solid hour walk to go to Vitali. No. The hill says to the innkeeper, go back on, go bring Vitali. The hill, please. There's no way he's going to come. You know what he says? Tell him I'll give him 13 rubles. <laughs> 13 rubles from Megant. Tell him 13 rubles he comes from Erev. No. The innkeeper tried to talk him out of it, but he saw there's nothing happening here. Puts his coat on, he treks for an hour, comes to Vitaly's door, it's late at night, he gives a clap off the tears, clap nochamom, nochamom, and he hears the shiksa, who is this? And she opens the door, she sees the innkeeper standing there, freezing to death. And she says to him, what do you want? And he says, I need Vitali for a center. Mm-hmm. He says, yeah. come inside. And he says, um, we have nine people, we need a tenth guy for the minion, and we need Vitali. The rabbi said he's going to give him 13 rubles if he comes from Aydiv. Vitaly says, Minion? Davening? Get out of here, you fool! You Michigana! Get lost! And he's cursing him out. And he throws the cover back over his head. He says, Leave me alone. Divided as he's walking out the door with the results that he thought he was going to have, he hears the shiksa call him. Segundite, wait a second. And she goes over to Vitali. She pulls off the blanket. Says, you meshige? 13 rubles? Says, you get up every night in the middle of the night to go to work for a tenth of a ruble. You're being offered 13 rubles. How many months does it take you to make that? I haven't had new shoes. I haven't had a new coat. 13 rubles. You're going to turn it down? No, Vitaly Atachashibreda, the Sheikh's haste. He has no choice. The Sheikh tells him he has to do, he has to do. He puts on the coat 
And he follows the Yid. An hour later, they're standing in the inn. Everybody's shocked. Vitali Yido. Hill goes over to the Yom and he starts Mairev. He starts Burachim. And Hill doesn't do tremendous Slavas and Dvekas. It was beautiful. Vitali Shtetov and Zait. Velvo. Name is Velvo. He's standing on the side. He's observing, observing, observing. He's drawn to this davening. After Mairev goes over to the innkeeper and says, Who's this guy? And he tells him, This is Hill Paracha. This is Hill Paracha. Hill Paracha? He says, Yeah. I can't believe this. So when I was a little boy, I remember, like yesterday, the whole town, the whole shtetl, was going crazy. Why are they going crazy? They're preparing because Hill's coming to town. Hill's coming to town. And the whole town turned over for him. And he came and he talked and he said, and he said the most beautiful, this is the same Hill. I can't believe it. And it was the same Hill. So he asked the Hill, can I talk to you? And they went into the side room. They sat for two hours talking. And after two hours... Vitaly came out red like a booty kid, crying. And he took the 13 ruble and he told the innkeeper, do me a favor. Tomorrow, go take this to the shiksa. Tell her, das vidanya. I will not see her again. And Vitaly picked himself up, went to the Tzamaq and became a chaz. So we see the power of Das Teda. And we hear of Pinchas Eliyahu. So we daven. And we anticipate that at the Yom of Asetay will come and let us know tonight of the coming of Mashiach Tzitkenu. And may we spend Shabbos in Yerushalayim and HaKadosh with Mashiach Tzitkenu. Shabbat Shalom to all.